Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you want to find us on YouTube, go to Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. I always tell you, it's much appreciated. As you can see, I'm out here at Washington's practice facility. You're going to talk about day one of minicamp. It's just you and me. It got about 10 minutes of stuff here. So let's get going. We're going to start with the Jack Del Rio stuff again. And hopefully this is the last day we talk about this. But I'm talking about it because Ron Rivera came in and addressed the media before practice. And he did that in part, my understanding is, because he wanted to get this out of the way. Get this, get what he has to say, and then move on to football. And I think that's what we're going to do from here on out. And I know you'll appreciate that as well. But he did talk about why he went the way he did, um, gave a statement and talked about the First Amendment a lot, said he believes in it. But he felt like in this case, it wasn't about penalizing somebody for their beliefs or what they say, but for the distraction they caused for the team. That's what the fine resulted from. And I know that that was something that bothered them last week, that it would, if it causes a distraction for the team, then it becomes an issue within the team. So that's why Ron Rivera did that. He did not want to talk about it more. He did talk about it a little more, even if he didn't want to, but he really, really wanted the focus to stay on football. I don't blame him. He's here to coach. Nobody wants to deal with this. Unfortunately, this is a situation for today. And um, he started talking about Second Amendment and gun safety, gun control. But the important thing was that he addressed this. He said that Jack Del Rio talked to the team. I think I told you that he was going to. He, we got my understanding, our understanding is that he talked for like 10 to 15 minutes, apologized, did apparently took some questions, has talked to some players, and, and they're moving on. And when we talked to, for example, John Allen afterwards, I put some quotes on Twitter. It's in the story that I wrote for ESPN, what he said. He doesn't care. He said, I don't, I'm not here for political beliefs. I'm not here to share my political beliefs. I'm here to play football. Based, I'm summing it up what he said, but I'm here to play football. That's what I'm going to do. My job is to dominate quarterbacks or dominate double teams, get to the quarterback. It's not to share my political views. So if somebody, if he disagrees with what somebody says, his job is, as he said, my, I, I have a job to do. That was echoed by other players. Deron Payne said, I'm here to play football. Jamin Davis said he hasn't paid attention to it. But but Allen did say that some players were bothered by it, but that he doesn't think it's going to affect anybody because, again, at the end of the day, I don't like that phrase, but I just use it. At the end of the day, they're here to play football, and that's what they have to do. They're paid to play football. That's their job. So now we move on. Let's get to the practice field because that's what you want to know about more than anything else. And then I'm going to start with by talking about rookie running back Brian Robinson. And I'm going to bring this up and. Logan Paulson talked about him on the podcast I did with him a couple of days ago. Go back and listen to it. It's great insight. It's really hard to get a great feel for running backs at this time of the year. But what you can see, again, I always talk about traits. That's what you're looking for. I remember when Alfred Morris was here back in 2012. I would have said the same thing. Well, it's hard to tell. But what you saw from Morris is that forward lean. You could see a guy who knew how to run and knew how to run at a certain pad level. I see the same thing with Robinson. There are, I like the way he goes through the hole. I like the way his, where his shoulder's at when he goes through the hole. He's definitely not an upright runner, definitely moving forward, definitely using his shoulders and covering up 
the ball. So you saw that time and time again when he ran the ball. I liked how he cut in traffic. So I think that's something to watch too. So all it does is to say, okay, now there's something to watch more of in August. But right now, no pads. That's what he's showing. And I think that's a good thing. And he's getting a lot of run with the ones. Antonio Gibson was out there as well. But Robinson, when he was working, that's where he was at. All right. So another one, Carson Wentz. There's two things with him. One, again, arm strength. We know that. So there, but there was a throw, and this is where OTAs are important. It's where getting to know guys are important for receivers and quarterbacks. I saw there was a throw that Carson made to Cam Sims. On the throw, Cam is turning to break with the ball's already out. So either, I don't know if the route was too deep or isn't deep enough or whatever, or if Carson let it go too soon, through too hard, whatever. But as Sims turns, the ball is right on him almost too fast for him to make a catch. And so he wasn't able to catch the ball because of that. And that's one of those things that you work out in the spring um, as you get the timing down, et cetera. And I think that's one reason why you'd like to see McLaurin get more work with, with Carson Wentz. Now, they're not as worried about that because if Terry McLaurin is a professional, he, he, when he shows up in the summertime, then you, you know he'll, he'll, his approach will be a certain way. He'll know the offense. He'll just have to get a little bit of a rhythm with Wentz, but I think he can do that throughout August. But I do think it's important uh, for these other guys especially to do it. And when, when Rivera was asked, like, why aren't they as maybe bothered or are they worried about the impact of that compared to, like, for example, looking at last year when a lot of the defensive backs were in and out during this period, during this time period, and that it caused an effect. And, and Rivera was no, because it's one guy. And the one guy who it is, is a true pro who's going to be prepared. The other thing with Wentz, you see the veteran stuff, right? And there was one time where he did it. He made a hard count and he got the defense to jump. So he got them to reveal a little bit more what they were going to do. For example, on the hard count, William Jackson III was up pressing De'Ami Brown. Well, on the hard count, he automatically starts to back off. So you know what kind of coverage you're going to get on that and the line kind of jumped too. So then they reset, they run the play, and went, and Jackson backs up now. On the play, Jackson actually had really good coverage on De'Ami Brown down the field, but on the throw was perfect. A dime to De'Ami Brown, wasn't able to get it. It would have been a really tough catch, but the throw was the only place that you could put it where he could have made a catch. So it was a well-thrown ball, in a tight coverage, and it would have been a really good catch and it's one you want to make if you want to get to a certain level. And it's also one thing that Dami Brown talked about us after practice was how he learned how he had to be a lot more aggressive when the ball was in the air. He said he felt sometimes last year he'd wait for the ball to come down to him rather than going attacking it with his hands. I don't know if he could have done that there because it's almost more of an over-the-shoulder type catch, but it was still a play that's like if you make the catch, it's a really good play. Tough, but it was there and it was a good throw. Um, Cole Turner, patient guy. Um, and there was one play. Now, this is part of the play, right? So he's lined up as a stand-up tight end cl close to the line of scrimmage, and he's going to stay in and make it look like he's going to block or see what's coming. Then he releases to the flat. By staying in doing that 1,001 and making sure and then being patient and not releasing too soon, he allowed a uh, receiver to run behind, um, behind um, coverage. And he forces his staying patient and basically waiting till last second, forces the um, the, def or the defender in the middle to then go with him. And that leaves the middle open. 
just a nice job by with some patience. And again, probably what he's supposed to do. Logan Paulson could talk about that better. Shout out, Logan. Um, but it was just something I noticed. Also, the throw was from Cole Kelly on that time. Cole Kelly's got a big arm. I know that they like him. I was talking to a team about him on Sunday, and he said that there was a buzz in the league last fall when, when Washington sent multiple um, representatives to watch Cole Kelly early in the season. And I think they liked him more than maybe a lot of other teams, but they certainly liked him enough where they, I think they had a draftable grade on him. It's just something to watch. Again, they drafted Sam Howell as well, but Cole Kelly could be a guy to watch this summer. So let me get to a couple other notes here too. And I'm going to get to Terry McLaurin in a minute, but I want to talk about Cam Curl too. When one thing that he talked about after practice was watching more film of quarterbacks, picking up more nuances, guys that they faced last year, guys that they're going to face this year. And he feels a lot more prepared because of that. And I think you can see that he's also somebody who's going to be playing a more enhanced role with what he's being asked to do. And so he needs to do more of that study. And it's funny because in the past, like I put in requests to talk to him and in the off season, and he's always been very accommodating. When I was told this year by people close to him, he just wants to focus on football. He's just focused on that. And you could see it. And you can see in one thing that he talked about was wanting to anticipate more. And you could see that out here. For example, there were two plays. One play, um, it was he's in the slot. It was up near the line. And the tight end kind of releases to the outside, is setting up a block for a screen to a back. Well, he attacks that. Now, the play, it's a run to the other side, but it's the way he attacked it, the way he picked it up and attacked it, would have taken it away. So it was like a play or two later. I forget how soon after that was on the other side of the field, similar setup, similar formation. He attacks it and he breaks up the play because of it. It's that level of anticipation that he brings that I think is why they are excited about him. And then there was another time where he and um, Percy Butler are back there at safety. I think it was Percy, maybe Percy or Derek Force, but regardless, this is about camp. So Chris Harris, the defensive backs coach, is yelling at the two of them to, hey, stay deep, stay deep a certain way. And Cam turns to him and just kind of gives him a thumbs up as if, hey, hey, I got it here. And all Harris did is kind of give him a thumbs up and backed off. So he knew his guy had it. And I think that is a result of this guy being in the third year, but also the more studying that he is doing. And I think that's a good thing for them. Benjamin St. Just. There was one time, and one of the, the one of the knocks on him in college was how he played the ball in the air. What kind of ball awareness did he have? And I think you saw that just a little bit where there was a play where it was down to Dotson down along the left side, where St. Juice had really good coverage, and you could hear the defenders kind of yelling him for the ball, um, but he couldn't find the ball, couldn't turn and get the ball, and Dotson ends up making a catch because of it, and it was. Again, just a little thing because the coverage was pretty good, but it was also ball in the air, finding that ball. Just something to watch with him. There's a lot of things that he's been doing well, but I think that's one area where you want to watch how does he progress with that. Now, let's get back to Terry McClellan because he wasn't here. How big a deal is this? Well, I think it's, a, it's certainly a, a big deal because I think it expresses his dissatisfaction with where these contract negotiations are headed or where, they, where, where they're at right now. I shouldn't say where they're headed. Ron Rivera said that he's optimistic about where this is going. He feels like you know there's one side is here, one side is here, and he feels like they can meet in the middle somewhere. Um, 
went through this with John Allen last year. Rivera said they started this process earlier with McLaurin, and they're hoping that that gets it done earlier. But clearly, there is if McLaurin, I would say, I think if if McLaurin's side was pretty pleased with the direction or where they're at with the negotiations right now, I think he would be here. Just a guess, just a hunch, but I think that's the case. So I think there's at least a desire to let them know that they're not satisfied with the pace or where these negotiations are at right now. And I will say, I think it's what you don't want to do is run the risk of upsetting one of the most important guys on your roster. I think if you get the deal done, well, then no harm is, I shouldn't say no harm, no foul, but they all is forgotten. You've got your money. I think John Allen went through this last year. He said it was in a very emotional experience because as a player, you can say like you stay out of it. It's still emotional because you still, you want, you have a value. You compare your value to somebody else and you want similar value. You want your team to value you at that same way. And if they don't, then you get, you can get a little bit stung with your feelings. And you'd like to think you don't because it's a ton of money, but if player X is making 25 million, you think you're as good as him or as valuable as him. And they're only offering you a lot less. And I don't, I'm not making, I don't know what they're offering him right now, but if you're 5 million off and you see this and you're like, wait a minute, where do you value me? I think when you compare it to an AJ Brown, I think the, whether or not he's better than AJ Brown what his side would say is that he's more available, much more available than A.J. Brown. He's been much healthier. And they'll point out like the playing with the high ankle spray um, a year ago when, when just to try and get him in the playoffs. So I think like things like that are what resonate. But so I think if, if they were satisfied with the pace of it or where these negotiations were at, I think he would probably be here because you feel like you are close. I don't feel like this is close right now. Now, could it be closer in a month? Absolutely, because I don't think it would be hard to get there. But I think one side would have to go up and one side probably go down a little bit. Or, you know, but I don't think it's just about dollars per year. I'm not sure it's just about guarantees. I think there's a few things that it's that it sounds like it's just it's more than that. Um, but we'll see. So I think not not what you want. I think they have to get them done. I think Rivera knows that. I think he's always been, whenever I've talked to people here, they've been optimistic about the ability to get it done. It's just that it'll take, they, they know the, the pace that it's going at. The one thing that I hope that they realize or that they do is make sure you adjust your thinking to the market as it expands. Whatever you thought the market was in January, February, it's not there now. So you've got to make sure, and I don't know, again, I don't know what the offer is, but you've got to make sure that the that what you're paying him reflects the current market and not not where you hoped it was or where you wanted it to be, but where it is. And I think the other thing is you've got to understand that how important McLaurin is here. And when I posted something on Instagram about something else about the attendance, you know, it was really bad here, right? Compared to everywhere else, most of the comments under there were about signed Terry McLaurin. If you don't sign McLaurin, I'm out. Now, I will say there's been so much that's happened here that I can't, if, if that's what pushes you out, then you're clearly at a pushing point um, or you're at a certain point already. But they have to know that and you can't take that risk. I think McLaurin is too important. I do think there's a level of, or there's a point where you say, is it worth it to pay a receiver that much money? But I do think McLaurin represents more than just that. So I think they can't take the risk of, of upsetting him like that um, and upsetting 
others around him. Players typically know that how negotiations go. So they see, you know, Logan Thomas talked about it today too, where he's like, Hey, go get yours, Terry, go get it. And they understand like, if it doesn't work out, maybe, you know, they understand the business side of it, but you don't want to lose a guy like that. And I don't think they will. I still think they'll get it done, but um, I think this was certainly a signal and whether it's a message to the team, to the fans, whatever, but there's a reason why Terry stayed away. And I think it's, it stems from frustration over where it's at right now. Um, and, a, and a signal to everybody to let's get it done and go on. So there you go. That's it for me from Washington's uh, first day of mandatory minicamp. I'll be back on Wednesday talking about their second day of the mandatory minicamp. Hopefully we're just going to stick to all football. That's it. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in. And I'll talk to you next time.